Planetary Society All-Stars review the spectacular year in space on my last show as host this week on Planetary Radio. Welcome. I'm Matt Kaplan of the Planetary Society with more of the human adventure across our solar system and beyond. Stick around as I welcome Sarah Alamed, Bruce Betts, Casey Dreyer, and Ray Poletta for the most enjoyable look back across 2022 you'll hear in this week for annual reviews of everything. Then stay a few minutes longer as Bruce and I welcome Sarah as his new partner for What's Up. You'll also be treated to their picks among your suggestions for what I should take on next as I end over 20 years as the host of Planetary Radio. With apologies to Douglas Adams, so long and thanks for all the data. That's the headline for the story about the end of the InSight mission on Mars that leads the December 23 edition of our free weekly newsletter, The Downlink. We'll have much more to say in a few minutes about the spacecraft that has revealed the deep interior of the Red Planet by tracking Mars quakes. You'll also read about the beginning of the United Arab Emirates lunar rover mission named Rashid. It is expected to reach our big natural satellite in April. As always, there's much, much more at planetary.org downlink. I love this end-of-year tradition we started many moons ago, but we've rarely had so much to celebrate. As you'll hear, it's also a celebration of this program's great transition. I am more confident than ever that Planetary Radio is in the best of hands with Sarah, Bruce, and my other colleagues. I look forward to next week when, for the first time in 20.1 years, I won't be facing the daunting deadline for completion of another show. As I've said, you haven't heard the last of me. I so look forward to continuing my conversations with the real guardians of the galaxy that I've brought you every week. They are my heroes. And here's the secret. You are too. Your enthusiastic loyalty has enabled and inspired me for two decades. I am grateful beyond words, though I hope to use some of my newfound time to put into words my appreciation as I reply to more of the hundreds of wonderful messages you have sent. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's not like it's your first time for any of you, but it sure is. I I think, I mean, were we all together doing this a year ago? My memory is weak. I'm very old. Welcome, everyone. Yeah, I was not here last year, so this is exciting. That, of course, Sarah Alamed, the incoming host. Stay tuned because it's only a week away as we publish this show that Sarah will be taking over Planetary Radio. Casey, you are the most festive. Thank you for wearing the uh, the elf hat. Uh, it's a Santa hat, Matt, to be accurate. <laughs> Sorry. That, of course, the Senior Space Policy Advisor for the Planetary Society, Casey Dreyer, also our Chief Advocate. Ray Paletta, now I think I have your new title right, Director of Content and Engagement. Welcome to you as well. Thank you so much, Matt. I've got my scarf on. Uh, it's I love it. here on the East Coast, so <laughs> I'll pass that off as being festive. I was just going to say, lovely, lovely scarf. Thank uh, you, Matt. Bruce, not, no scarf, but a, a first-generation Planetary Radio t-shirt. Thank you very much. You're welcome very much. <laughs> the Chief Scientist of the Planetary Society. We have gathered, as we do every year at the end of the year, 
to uh, talk about the year in space, the year just passed. And Sarah, let's talk about Artemis. Oh, let's talk about Artemis. There were so many amazing things that happened this year, but that Artemis launch, <laughs> we, we actually, everyone on this call here was there in August yeah. at Kennedy Space Center to try to see that first attempt of the launch. It didn't go off as planned, obviously. It got scrubbed. But it finally did launch three months later in November, November 16th. Were you guys all watching that live stream? Of course. I think we would all be fired if we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Mandatory watching. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah. Really? Oh. <laughs> no, I actually, I actually did. Yeah, I could see you not watching it just out of fear that it didn't actually launch, you know, or just maybe because you know, just it got scrubbed assumption. a few times there. But Bruce doesn't it did, have the it best did track launch. record with uh, causing scrubs. No, so. it's... <laughs> he actually mentioned that when we were at KSC. Yeah. We it's were like, standing there. He's like, I'm here, therefore it will not launch today. There's a strong correlation, <laughs> which I believe, Bruce, is the same as causation, right? <laughs> yes, that yes, that's what science goes. says. Yeah. Yes. Goes, yeah. This is really going over the top here. And we are now looking forward to, what, a couple of years? Yeah, it's going to be two years before Artemis II goes up. We will get to hear a little bit more about that in one of my first shows, actually my second show with Jeremy Graber, Assistant Launch Director at Kennedy Space Center, talks a little bit about what's going to be going on with Artemis 2 and Artemis 3. They're going to be the first Artemis missions that are crewed. So I'm, you know, I'm really excited. I cannot wait to see people land with Artemis 3. It's going to blow our minds. <laughs> Casey, are, are we now, because this has been so successful, should we be looking forward to like Artemis 45? Yeah, basically. I mean, I can't emphasize how important the success of Artemis 1 was for the program. You know, they've been working for over 10 years on all these pieces of hardware, and they worked beautifully, despite the cost overruns, the critique that they get from observers, uh, from all the delays. Everything worked, and now NASA's on the cusp of locking in long-term contracts with Boeing, Lockheed, Northrop, all the providers and suppliers that build the SLS, that build Orion, not just for a couple of SLS launches, but for dozens. We will leave Artemis behind in this uh, race through 2022 because there were uh, things that were just as significant to a lot of our audience, including the amazing success of a certain space telescope. Ray, talk to us about the JWST. JWST has to be one of my favorite things of this year. And I know that technically it launched a year ago, almost today as we're recording this, it launched December 25th, 2021. Hard to believe that it's been such a short amount of time and yet we've gotten so many incredible results. It's really cool just to see the distant views of galaxies that it's been able to capture, planets in our own solar system. I know that the deep field rightfully gets a lot of shine, but that picture of Neptune and the rings, it's like, come on, what's better than that? It's just magnificent. After hearing all the stories, all the worries from all the scientists and engineers about, okay, here's the part I'm most worried won't work right, won't unfold the way it's supposed to, to see it just work. I mean, what a, what a mechanical miracle. Yeah, it's an engineering marvel, uh, It's and the science potential is amazing. It's We've only scratched the surface. Worth every penny of its $8.8 billion already, I would say, <laughs> unquestionably, and will, as Bruce pointed out, just like the, the potential for this and what it's going to be doing. And again, just another reminder, I mean, JWST succeeding and Artemis 1 succeeding in the same year for NASA, I'd say this puts it up as one of top, two <laughs> i can think of one year of nasa's like success that probably can't be top but definitely top five and i should add Huge. also european space agency too had critical contributions to both artemis and jwst 
and, and just really shining in terms of the collaboration between NASA and ESA right now. And let's hope that continues as well. Uh, Ray, we're going to stick with you for one that was a, a very big deal for all of us at the Planetary Society, and that was uh, nudging a, a space rock. God, I love the DART mission so much. It's really a one-of-a-kind thing. I mean, literally, historically, it was, right? This was the first of its kind of testing the kinetic um, deflection technique for asteroids. To recap here, in September, the DART mission had its grand finale when it collided with Dimorphos, right? The asteroid moonlit. I can't believe how much it was able to change the orbit around its parent asteroid Didymos, which for some reason I can only think of Diddy Kong when I say that. I don't know why. There's like a there's a Super <laughs> Smash Brothers thing somewhere in there, right? But yeah, it was able to change the orbit from 11 hours and 55 minutes to 11 hours and 23 minutes, which is just sm a smashing success. Ah, well done. <laughs> uh, Bruce, you're Mr. Planetary Defense around here. That's Dr. Planetary. That's you. Sorry. <laughs> to you. To you, Matt. That's yeah, everyone else is just Bruce. This is, a, this is a major, major accomplishment. Not only did we hit the asteroid, so it was a technology development that the so-called kinetic impactor technique, which is one of the main ones people are considering if and when, not if, when we find an asteroid headed for Earth to use, and it works theoretically on kind of medium-sized dangerous asteroids cause catastrophe. But understanding the interaction between the spacecraft and the asteroid, and so how much it changed that, how much material came out, what size crater it made, they'll be able to extract out the key things to be able to model it better in the future. So when you do have to deflect one, you know, okay, well, if we use this big a spacecraft, this mass at this velocity, at least if it's like uh, that asteroid, this is the kind of effect we'll have. I also wanted do a shout out to the Italian Space Agency yeah. for the brilliant success of that little CubeSat, Licia Cube, that gave us that beautiful close-up, more or less close-up view of the impact by uh, DART. It really doesn't get much better. Casey, we're going to continue in the planetary defense vein because you're going to tell us about, I, I mean, it was a big year, even right up to the last day or two as we speak, for Neo Surveyor. Yeah, the other part of planetary defense, right? Finding the things that could be threats in order to smash things into them. You know, you got to know where they're coming from first before you can do the smashy, smashy bit. Both parts are really critical, right? Like it's, I, I keep making the comparison to COVID where you had to do testing in order to know where your breakouts are happening. And that is what Neo Surveyor is. Neo Surveyor is going to help you find the threat. And then you can invest in deflection like DART, which is the equivalent of a vaccine investment that you're doing in advance, right? These things don't just pull off the shelves. You got to make them, figure out how they work, and have them ready to go for when a threat happens. And we're starting to do that now, which is, again, the really exciting thing that we're seeing with planetary defense this year. So Neo Surveyor, after literally 15, 16 years of stalled development, delays, endless study after study, despite you near universal support from members of Congress, the public, and of course, uh, members of the Planetary Society. We saw a really important movement this year, kind of a one, what is it, one step forward, two steps back situation where the program itself was authorized by Congress into law. We saw funding for Neo Surveyor, however, get cut by NASA itself at their own behest due to unrelated overruns and other aspects of planetary science. Planetary Society members worked really hard this year to really advocate to restore that money. 
And as we're recording this, we're looking at a final passage occurring tomorrow of the U.S. budget that includes NASA funding that will restore $50 million more than what NASA had proposed. So puts it about to half of where it should have been. That's actually one of the largest increases to any science mission this year in this budget. So we're really happy to see that. And then more critically, NASA itself reversed course, fully committed now, and has made a formal cost and schedule commitment to NEO Surveyor to Congress that will now launch in 2028. Uh, I just wanted to get give additional historical perspective. Since I really got heavily involved in planetary defense so 20-some years ago, this has been what people have called for. And more and more, the planetary defense community was like, this is what we need. And, you know, whether it was, you know, surveyor or some other permutation, but an infrared telescope placed at an uh, orbit that would be inwards of where the Earth's orbit is so you can see more asteroids would actually increase our discovery rate as well as simultaneously being able to characterize the asteroids tremendously. So although the ground-based has improved enormously over these same period, it's always been, we want a mission that does this, and NeoSurveyor will finally be that mission. Congrats to good friend of the Planetary Society, Amy Meinzer, and now at the University of Arizona, and her entire team, because we also heard just in the last couple of days as, uh, as we are recording this, that the spacecraft is actually now under construction. Very, very exciting stuff. And Sarah, if you don't have Amy back on the show soon, I'm going to be very upset with you. Oh, I'm really hoping. I actually met her many years ago at Griffith Observatory. She had a lot of great things to say about the Asteroids video game, which I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she was fantastic. I'd love to have her back on. We can continue on uh, with you, Sarah. There's that other planet out there, the red one. It was also a pretty significant year from, in fact, it, there's so much just in the last day or two that has been happening at Mars and across the solar system. Yeah, we're, we're actually <laughs> in a really interesting moment on Mars because there are so many missions going on concurrently. And just yesterday we heard that, uh, you know, sadly, we've reached the end of the InSight mission on Mars. That's the mission that went down to Mars and has been measuring Mars quakes. So it, it discovered this really interesting thing earlier this year. It picked up the biggest Mars quake we have ever recorded. I think it happened back in May. It's five times bigger than any other earthquake we've ever measured on Mars. So that can tell us a lot about what's going on internally. But sadly, the mission's solar panels got covered in dust. As we expected, this wasn't something that happened on accident, but it did lead to the end of the mission. But at the very same time, elsewhere on Mars, the Perseverance mm -hmm. rover set down its first sample. So end of one mission, beginning of another. But this is all building up to a much larger thing, which is that we are going to try to bring these samples from Mars all the way back to Earth because of that cute little helicopter that's just tuka-tuka-ing around Mars right now. The Ingenuity Mars helicopter has been such a success and has lasted so much longer than we expected that they're going to send two little Mars helicopters with the Mars sample return mission to hopefully pick up these samples and bring them back to blast them off to Earth. So we're hoping we're going to get those samples back in uh, 2033. And I think that, too, is, is a collaboration between you know, NASA and also the European Space Agency. So another great example of international collaboration going on there. I just want to say pour out some eggnog for insight. A lot of good years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll miss you, buddy. Bruce? 
Yeah, Insight was great, but I want to point out two things. One, you really need to stop anthropomorphizing spacecraft. No. Why should I do that? Because they're robotic and they, they're designed to stop working and then, then everyone gets Bruce, didn't sadder. you see Goodnight Oppie? That's the opposite <laughs> lesson that you take. No, that that's movie, why I didn't right? watch it. I, 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 I couldn't handle it emotionally. Strangely, <laughs> you know, people get used to it, but putting something on the surface of Mars, not trivial. And actually having things work in an environment that you've never been to, it's challenging. But the rewards are amazing. <laughs> Ray Paletta and Casey Dreyer. Ray, the director of content and engagement for the Planetary Society. Casey's got a finger in the air. He's our chief advocate and senior space policy advisor. Casey? <laughs> it was good. a good finger. It wasn't Ooh. a bad finger. But it was, no, yeah, go it was ahead. The good ones. <laughs> I'm very yeah. excited, Sarah, to see you take the reins next year. And I can't wait to... Uh, start listening to the show uh, under your leadership and I'm super excited and congratulations again. And Matt, obviously we've done the space policy edition. I, I think I've said this before. I literally do not know what I'm going to do without you, but we will find a way. Uh, but it's been an honor to, to work with you on this for the last six years, particularly on that show. And of all the hosts I have come across in my travels, yours is the most human. Oh, <laughs> um, I was mentioning you, Ray, and you, Casey, because you're going to depart now. But everybody else, I hope, uh, who's listening, I hope you'll stick around because Bruce and Sarah and I will go into my very last segment of What's Up, the last one that I'll participate in as well. Ray and Casey, thanks so much for being part of this review of the year. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Cheers. Stay tuned. It'll make you laugh make you cry. Did you catch Casey's nice Star Trek Wrath of Khan reference there? Don't worry, the monthly Space Policy Edition will continue generally on the first Friday of each month. I bet you're also wondering what happened to the rest of the solar system and beyond in 2022. Also the NASA budget, commercial space developments, and much more. Everything is in our complete review of the year at planetary.org slash radio and in this week's podcast. As promised, I'll be right back with Bruce Betts and Sarah Alamed after this quick break. You are listening to Planetary Radio from the Planetary Society. There's so much going on in the world of space science and exploration, and we're here to share it with you. Hi, I'm Sarah, Digital Community Manager for the Planetary Society. Want more space? We've got the latest news, pretty planetary pictures, and Planetary Society publications on our social media channels. You can find the Planetary Society on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. I hope you'll like and subscribe so you never miss the next exciting update from the world of planetary science. Greetings, Bill Nye here with a message of gratitude. It's been a wonderful year for the Planetary Society, made possible by our donors and members. Thank you so much. We look forward to achieving even more in 2023. I hope all of you will be with us as we strive to know the cosmos and our place within it. Check us out at planetary.org. That's where you can also learn how to become part of this journey. Here's wishing you a joyous holiday season and the happiest of New Year's. Hey, let's do this one last time. It's time for What's Up on Planetary Radio. I am joined by the Chief Scientist of the Planetary Society, Dr. Bruce Betts. May I say it again, the only other person who has been heard on every episode of Planetary Radio since we began a little over 20 years ago. Welcome. 
you're going to get this. Hold it together. You're going to you're going to get through this one. You're going to make it. Hi, hi man. If, if I can, you can. All right, man. We're good. And Sarah's going to help us. Yeah, you don't want crying. To, you don't want to embarrass yourself in front of the new host. Oh, I think I already have. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, uh, we said you'd stick around, and there you are, your very first What's Up. And yet, a week from now, you will be in my chair talking to the chief scientist. It's true, and I hope we keep going on with this tradition. If you will continue to join me, Bruce, if I have not scared you away yet. I would love to join. <laughs> It'll be such a relief after 20 years. But Like I said, he's got to get him in now. I, I think that the dynamic is just going to be great. I just think it's going to build on what we've already had, which I know you've loved every moment of, Bruce. I have. The see, that was see, my gift to you. Then he gets honest. What's up? As I mentioned, I think, last week, we've arranged for all the planets you can see uh, with just your eyes to be up in the sky, although Mercury will be dropping down below the horizon as your time on planetary radio will be doing. (laughs) Uh, If you're picking this up right after it comes out on December 28th, Venus and Mercury are very close together, but you're going to need a really clear view to the western horizon. If you get it, then that'll be really nice. Uh, If not... Uh, you'll still see Venus getting higher and higher, super bright Venus over the coming weeks over in the west after sunset. And uh, we've also got, if you follow a line from Venus or just look for bright Jupiter up above and Saturn in between. So Jupiter's high in the sky and Saturn is looking yellowish and not as bright as the other two, but still bright in between. And follow a line from those all the way across the other side of the sky over east-ish and you'll see Mars, which is still bright, but uh, fading gradually as we grow farther apart from it. <laughs> like we will be growing farther apart from you. For planetary just, just, don't, just don't go there. It's okay. You'll make it. Okay, but I got a cool thing. Like my life after you leave planetary radio. No offense, sir. Uh, <laughs> this is one last time for you, man. The quadranted meteor oh, shower. What perfect timing. Finally pronounced it, maybe. Uh, It peaks the night of January 3rd to the 4th. Uh, That's the good news, bad news. It is a full moon, so that will wipe out a lot of the meteors. Other sort of bad news that even though this can be one of the biggest outputs, it's usually for a very brief time. It has a very sharp peak of a few hours. So best, if you're going to look, is the night of January 3rd, the 4th. Uh, You may get 20, 25 meteors from a dark site. There are a lot more that are maybe there. Take a chance, Matt. You won't be doing anything. <laughs> but move on to this week in space history. And uh, we marked this event, so you uh, probably remember it. Wild about Mars. Oh, yes. Yeah. Wham. The, the event marking the landing of Spirit on Mars, the Spirit rover. And uh, right before that, and basically almost contemporaneous, Stardust flew through the coma of a comet and returned material to Earth a while later. And they were both wildly successful, and we had a big event for Wild about Mars. All right, I've got a great (laughs) – we've had our guest series instead of Random Space Fact of Random Matt Kaplan Fact. So don't forget to add the reverb. Oh, yeah, definitely have to have the reverb. Right. Oh, yeah, now they're going to know that it's not just my cool reverb voice after all this time. <laughs> His voice just does that. Of course it does. Random Matt Kaplan back. Don't forget to add the reverb. 
All right. According to Matt, and I actually believe him, which is amazing on several levels, Matt made it through high school without ever using cuss words. True? I think essentially true. Yeah. I mean, there were temptations, but I don't know why. I just didn't think it was appropriate. I've tried to make up for it since then, except when I'm on mic. Yes, I've heard you swear. um, I've said gosh darn at least several times. Oh, I forgot we were counting that. Yes, that's true. I don't think I've ever said this before, but that's really cute, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And by the way, I will give up my uh, secret if you want to know more about Matt Kaplan. Well, first of all, come back next next show for uh, a real interview with Sarah. But one time before the show was big enough, uh, I got the opportunity at the first anniversary show in uh, November of 2003 where I interviewed Matt and asked some really weird questions, and that's where I got these really weird Matt facts. By re-listening to the show, you can check it out, end of November uh, 2003. We'll put up a link to that uh, on this week's show page, planetary.org slash radio. Here's a question for you on the anniversary of Spirit's landing on Mars. What hardware did the Planetary Society fly to Mars as part of the Spirit and Opportunity missions? You don't have to give a lot of detail, but what hardware did we fly to Mars? It's on Mars right now. Go to planetary.org slash radio contest. And here's pretty much what you say after that, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) You have until January 11, 2023 at 8 a.m. Pacific time, that's a Wednesday, to get us, or really them, the answer to this one. And I'm just going to say one more time because it's my last chance. The winner will receive a Planetary Society kick asteroid. Say it with me now. He's really good. Do I put the reverb on that one? No, you don't even have to do it for that one. That was just perfect. And with that, I think we're done except to say... Bruce, it has been the most wonderful um, career. I was editing What's Up for last week's show just a couple of days ago, and I was cracking up while I did it. (laughs) It happens all the time. It has just been absolutely delightful, and I'm glad that we're not really saying goodbye. Sarah, you're going to have the best time over every episode of this show yet to come. uh, Talking to this guy over on the other side of me, and uh, you're going to have a wonderful time. I have one more thing. Talk a little bit while I grab something that I forgot about. Hey, Matt Kaplan. It's been an honor, sir. And I'm scared what he's digging for right now. Uh, Every week, it has been a consistent joy in my job, no matter what other things were going on, to do this show with you. It's been wonderful. Thank you. And I'm really looking forward to what's in the styrofoam box that... You saw it online. Oh, I already know what it is. Okay. Now he gets it in person. Cool, that's, you, I don't think you've seen this. I don't think I've it's seen much this. much less scary. Go. This is the opening of the styrofoam. Great sound. Ah, Make an ASMR out of that one. Oh, it's a it's the coffee mug with Planetary Radio logo on one side and a picture of Matt and I at, uh, at the beach recording Planetary Radio. What's up? One of the weird places we recorded in the past. That's beautiful, Matt. I'm very happy with how it came out, and I think it's very appropriate. Have fun, folks. Hey, we will. You too. And uh, be a strange... 
Wait. <laughs> Don't be a stranger. But really, Matt, please come on my show. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that didn't take long. Bruce, take us out. All right, everybody, go out there, look up the night sky, and think about Matt morphing into Sarah. No, just think about Matt. And hopefully his future of long walks on the beach chilling out. Yeah, that too. Thank you, and good night. Bruce Betts is, for the time being, the chief scientist of the Planetary Society and the program manager for LightSail. Sarah Alamed is the host of Planetary Radio. Thanks, Matt. Planetary Radio is produced by the Planetary Society in Pasadena, California, and is made possible by its beloved members. I'm proud to be one of them. The brilliantly talented space nerds Mark Hilverda and Ray Paletta are our associate producers. Josh Doyle composed our theme, which is arranged and performed by Peter Schlosser. Ad Astra. Ad Astra.